Hi guys, thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. Just wanted to bring you a few announcements up top. Put in your date book that our next live taping will be September 18th at the Brooklyn Commons. Again, that's Monday, September 18th at the Brooklyn Commons, which is at 388 Atlantic Avenue at 7 p.m. And we're so excited to announce that our guests at our live show will be Jabari Brisport, who's running for city council to represent the wonderfully diverse 35th district of New York City's Fort Greene, Crown Heights, Clinton Hill, Prospect Heights, and Bed-Stuy, who's endorsed by the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, and the Black Lives Matter Caucus. You're definitely going to want to check out and join our Patreon because on this episode, we talked to Sam Knight and Sam Sachs from the District Sentinel, and we learned some interesting things about the people behind a fascinating listicle about the top 100 resistance Twitter accounts. Now, it turns out that this listicle is curated by a woman who is friends with Sean Spicer and volunteered for Newt Gingrich, and it turns out it's for a publication, which I didn't know was actually conservative. It's a place that even got into trouble for smearing Obama, and one of the most famous people there is someone who got into trouble for plagiarism. So. If you're wondering why a friend of Sean Spicer is curating a list of the resistance at a right-wing outlet, it's a good question, and we give you some insight into that. That's our main episode. On our bonus, we actually go through some of our favorite members of this listicle of Twitter resistance, and we share with you some pretty interesting things that the members have said or done or tweeted. You're going to hear some real gems, some homophobic things, some racist things, some anti-Semitic things, some sexist things. That's only a few of them. We're going to come back on another episode with some other people who we need to talk about who are on the list. As if that's not enough bonus, we also bring you a discussion on Chomsky and Antifa and the audio from an appearance I did on the Young Turks politics with Jordan Sheridan. Hello, welcome to the Katie Halper Show. So excited to be here with my co-host. Gabe Pacheco, I'm here. I'm jazzed, I'm pumped, I'm enthused. He's do, he's zumba he just did some Zumba. I did, I'm, I did my cardio for the day. Did you really, do you ever, do you, you are, you're a physically fit, you take, you take your health, self-care, Look, you, seriously. You gotta be, you gotta be ready for when the revolution <laughs> comes, you, I mean, you gotta get your calves right, your quads. <laughs> Your stretch hamstrings. the ha- stretch the hammies. It's all about stretching. Be limber. You got to be limber for uh, for uh, <laughs> when we finally reach that utopian egalitarian state that we're all looking forward to. Looking forward to so much. Yes. We may have to kick doors down. Let me tell you something, Katie. You got to do. You got to do two two miles. You got to run at least two miles a day. Can I speed walk them? You can speed walk. Uh, you can get on an elliptical machine. Whatever you need to do, stairmasters. Just do something. Just do something. All yeah, right. you'll feel better. Maybe you and I can walk around and we can like do a Katie Helper physical fitness thing. We invite Patreon supporters to come with us if they pledge like a thousand dollars. Yeah, this is like uh, baby boomers in the mid to late eighties as they're <laughs> starting to age and get their first gray hairs. They all got into Jane Fonda fitness. And this is it. Woo! Get ready to work out. Like we'll sort of do like a. Like a Katie Helper uh, fitness walk. Get in touch with your body, self care, uh, wear, wear shirts with cut off sleeves and uh, sweat <laughs> headbands. You should have your good workout shoes on now. I used to do, no joke, a Jane Fonda video when I was like 
11 or something. 10, 11, 12. Let's warm up. And one. And back. Two to the left. And forward. Now reverse it to the left. Don't and it was really good. There was like a live song, like a woman singing, obviously lip syncing. Yeah, I believe it. My mom used to watch Jane Fonda fitness videos and they had rocks. They had like rock song anthems. Yeah. Well, that played during the exercising. Aerobics. And Leslie Williams is going to sing while we do it. Why don't you sing along with her? Ready and flex up. You can sing along. You know you're breathing properly. I remember the one that I did. I did a couple. And one of them was like, there's so much more to you than meets the eye. There's so much <laughs> more in you that's going to try. There's so much more to you than meets the eye. There's so much more in you that's going to try. There's so much more living, 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 living. Or maybe giving. Things that you do. Living, living, living. And I think the chorus was, give it, uh, give it, uh. That's crazy how you remember songs. I was literally like, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. And you were just, you were just out there just watching uh, tw 20 women and two dudes do uh, aerobic ex exercises behind Jane Fonda. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. You live like your own way. They work did. They had to work. Work hard to play. When you see disappointment, you know it's going to be about every day. Yeah. Jane Fonda, can you imagine going from like protesting the war in Vietnam? From Barbarella. From Barbarella to protesting, to protesting Vietnam to leotards yeah. and leg warmers. Yeah. And pelvic thrusts on the ground. And resist bringing them together. Resist. Pelvis up, release. Up, release. And that wasn't the end of her journey either. And we're coming into the home stretch. No, it wasn't. After that. Going on to buttock tucks. She went to uh, marrying Ted Turner. Ted Turner. Who owns his own uh, bison herd. Does he really? He does, yeah. And Turner movie classics, right? Uh-huh. And then Grace and Frankie. It's a show with Lily Tomlin. They're both married. It's about two couples. Their two husbands get together. They, they're gay. Yes. And then they become friends, uh, Grace and Frankie. Bonding over this experience. Bonding over this, yeah. So uh, let's, you know what, because the Sams are here. We oh, my God. They're already here. They're let's here. Do this. They're punctual Sams. Let's, uh, let's start the show. Welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper. And as always, I'm here, joined by Gabe Pacheco. That's me, Gabe Pacheco. I'm here. He is here. He is indeed present. Please make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes. Join our Patreon campaign. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show for great bonus content. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's WBAI.org or 99.5 FM on the radio. We are going to be talking to not one Sam, two Sams. Two Sams at the same time? We're getting double Sammed. 
a sandwich, if you will. Oh, uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled, right? Uh, we will be talking to not only Sam Sachs, but Sam Knight. Uh, they are co-founders of the District Sentinel, a news co-op that has a tight focus on policy over personalities. The Sentinel has an unapologetically progressive approach and is reader-funded and influenced, which means that readers can vote on which topics they want the publication to cover. And make sure that you check out their uh, districtsentinel.com and make sure that you check out their podcast, which you can get at iTunes, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And of course, everyone's hustling. So patreon.com slash districtsentinel. Make sure you go there. Welcome to the show, Sam Sachs and Sam Knight. Let's start by just talking about you guys and what makes you tick. And then we can get into the DC and our favorite woke people. Yeah, we can do that. Does that sound good? Yeah. Guys, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Tell, tell us about, it's not just a podcast. You have no. a bit of an empire. Can you tell us? I like to think of you as the David Brocks of the left. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I don't have nearly enough money to be a David Brock. Yeah, the we're left. the broke David, right. David Brocks. The David Brocks. Yeah, the David Broke bros. <laughs> well, we started in late 2014. Uh, it was initially just a print website, and our current iteration has been in place for since about February, was it? Yeah. I mean, we've been doing some podcast, radio, multimedia stuff associated with the website for a few years. But um, yeah, we started at the end of 2014. We thought that there was sort of a hole that needs to be filled. Yeah, there's a lot of liberal publications, Salon, Slate. You know, I mean, Huffington Post has been doing some good reporting lately, and a lot of other websites have caught up since we started doing it. But at the time, we thought that there was a hole for really strong investigative journalism, uh, watchdog reporting from Washington, D.C., from a unapologetic leftist perspective. You saw the right wing was doing this stuff with the Daily Caller, and I mean, a lot of it's garbage. But at least those Most entities are out there, you know, fueling the debate. And in a resource for people on the far right. So um, we started doing it. And since then, you know, things have start, started working out. And we started the podcast since that's what everybody does now. And uh, it's another way to reach more people with the stories we cover on a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of there's a lot of raw information coming out of the federal government through um all the agencies through inspector general through reports, inspectors general reports, through C-SPAN feeds, through committee feeds, through press releases from members of Congress who often do their own investigating. So a lot of journalists are extremely lazy and do not like to read and are more interested, I suppose, in doing um, why Game of Thrones reminds us that. Uh, politics is good and or bad, or right. or Paul Ryan's latest hypocrisy, or right. Trump's latest yeah. hypocrisy, oh my gosh, right? Or you know, President Obama destroys <laughs> Paul Ryan, whomever, <laughs> In a single tweet. Yeah, right. And I, ironically, about that is a lot of that has come out of stuff Elizabeth Warren has done, but she has done some very good investigative stuff as well. So it, it is ironic that. She is known for being the Elizabeth Warren eviscerates, but she also is pretty dogged in her pursuit of bad actors, both well, she, under Trump and under Obama. One of the people she, one of her targets was Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Great clip of her on Bill Moyers, right? Yeah, talking about the bankruptcy bill. Right. I had written an op-ed about a piece of pending bankruptcy 
legislation. Credit card companies have been pushing to try to tighten the bankruptcy laws. This would fall disproportionately hard on women who were raising families. Mrs. Clinton saw the piece, and I got a call from the White House. And they said, would I come and meet with her? I put together all my files, and just the two of us. They closed the door, and she says, tell me about bankruptcy. And I got to tell you, I never had a smarter student. At the end of the conversation, Mrs. Clinton stood up, and she said, Professor Warren, we've got to stop that awful bill referring to this bankruptcy bill that's sponsored by the credit card companies. Wait, President wait, wait. Clinton had been showing that this was another way that he could be helpful to business. When Mrs. Clinton came back with a little better understanding of how it all worked, they reversed course and they reversed course fast. And indeed, the last uh, bill that came before President Clinton was that bankruptcy bill that was passed by the House and the Senate in 2000 and he vetoed it. Mrs. Clinton took credit for that veto, and she rightly should. She turned around a whole administration on the subject of bankruptcy. And she got then? it. One of the first bills that came up after she was Senator Clinton was the bankruptcy bill. And the it bill just, her husband had vetoed. Her husband had vetoed it very much at her urging. And? She voted in favor of it. Why? As Senator Clinton, the pressures are very different. It's a well-financed industry. She has taken money from the groups, and more to the point, she worries about them as a constituency. Yeah, I mean, you can't help that a lot of um, flapping idiots are sort of glomming on to Elizabeth Warren. I think that ultimately that can be exploited by the left for good. Yeah, Or, you know, exploited in a happy way, happy exploited. Used, used, used yes. Employed, 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 leveraged, yeah. leveraged, yeah. But it's like, but what you're saying is that's like just more of a aesthetic thing. That's just like the frosting on the cake. You're like she also does like more hard hitting stuff. Right, 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 right. And that it's good that for us, it's good that liberals are glomming on to her because because she does some good stuff too. So you're not just uh, angry bros who want to destroy liberals and and fight with people and bring them to bring them to to kneel instead that's, of bring I them mean, to kneel. I mean that's a significant part, but I, I I cringe sometimes when when Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren jump on the whole uh, Russia hysteria thing. They don't do it as bad as a lot of the other people, but if you know saying a few things about Russia every now and then will get libs to uh, welcome Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren into the hashtag resistance and right. draw their support. Then that's I'd, I'd say a good thing. I don't think Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's rhetoric is going to start a nuclear war, but and hey, Warren was bashing Jeff Sessions, who is an all-around awful garbage person, yeah. when the she persisted thing. Sons and brothers, Mr. President, they are senators impugn the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama, as warned by the chair. Senator Warren said Senator Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens. I call the senator to order under the provisions of Rule 19. I am surprised that the words of Coretta Scott King are not suitable for debate in the United States Senate. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think we have to be able to tolerate some of the absurd 
punch instead of punching left, there's also punching Russia, if you will. Yeah. yeah. We're coining that right here, guys. Let's, <laughs> Ru- Russia punching. Show. Yeah, Russia punching. Runching. Runching, yeah. But yeah, I think that we can tolerate that, especially when they do do good things, right? As opposed to other people who just stop there, right? Like, that's it. They just go to Russia. Yeah, they have, you know, they have systemic critiques. Right. They're not just talking about Russia as if it's the end all and be all of all our problems and throwing shade at Putin or whatever is going slaying. Yeah, slaying. Giving man pads to a Ukrainian fascist or whatever is going to is going to solve all our problems. Yeah, I mean I, I got annoyed, although I shouldn't be, I should be less judgmental, but I did get somewhat annoyed at the like when she's like, you know what? Trump is a bigot. Well, when Elizabeth Warren said that? Yeah, I mean, I know that's that sounds like weird, and it's a good thing to do, and, and people have to do that, but I'm always like, all right, we know that. Can we go further than that, right? We all kind of know that. Yeah, yeah. Trump is part of a bigoted party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I liked when Sherrod Brown, he, he said uh, something. Sherrod Brown, that, Sherrod Brown when, when Sherrod Brown said something uh, that stuck in my mind, which is that um, Republicans have been dog-whistling for years, and and Trump comes out with with the foghorn and yeah. everyone is shocked. Yeah, it's true. Trump just like Trump is like a tactless Republican. So what he did, he just didn't do it politely. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Yeah, he just went full Archie Bunker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rich Archie Bunker. He's like what Archie Bunker aspired to be. Yeah. Um. And what about your guys? How did you get into politics personally? What were you always left? Were you liberal before? What your political journeys were? I waffled. Like, I think for a lot of my younger life, I could have easily veered towards being a, a dumb lib. But eventually I, I ended up more on the left. But definitely what was one of the first things that uh, dragged me to the left were the uh, protests in Seattle in 1999, the WTO. That was one of the things that got me on. Then there were the uh, World Bank IMF things and the Iraq War protests. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I definitely dabbled in liberalism a little bit more than Sam probably, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess getting into politics. I remember reading in middle school and like early high school those dumb crime think books and thinking that wow, this is this is an awakening. And then you know, going through college and stuff. But when I got out of college, I got an internship on Capitol Hill and worked for a uh, Blue Dog congressman. And Ooh. yeah, can you name names? Uh, yeah, Alan Boyd, Congressman Alan Boyd, Florida's second district. Good district. Uh, <laughs> includes Tallahassee, Florida, all the way uh, over to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, it's an interesting split among uh, political alignment there. You have uh, a very conservative military base because there's a lot of military bases over there. And then you have um, a more you know liberal base in Tallahassee, which is a minority city. And so... And I've talked about this a lot on Twitter, how, like, working on the Hill distorts your brain. You start thinking in terms of, like, what's possible. You you don't become an idealist anymore. Mm. And the legislation when I was working there, it was, the, it was from two—I I started there from 2009 to 2010, so it was Obama's election, uh, the health care bill, uh, the cap-and-trade bill that passed the House but never made it out of the Senate, and— the guy I was working for and the rest of the Blue Dogs on, a lot of these issues were wafflers and just um, constantly fighting to rein in the scope of the legislation, um, whether it's the public option and health care bill. I remember the Disclose Act came out that um, required, you know, super PACs to disclose donors and everything. And the 
Boyd voted against it. And it was like, and that was one of the issues I was working on was election reform. So I had to write the whole memo up about the legislation and why it's good. And he was just basically like, Chamber of Commerce is key voting this. I can't. And this was 2010. He was in a reelection campaign that he eventually lost. Um, he was the half of the Blue Dog Caucus that got wiped out for acting like Republicans mm. during the first two years of the Obama administration. And uh, but I, I left shortly before he lost reelection and started working for Tom Hartman, who realigned me i mean i had gotten kind of uh i'd sort of rejected liberalism as i was leaving capitol hill as a result of my experience there but it was nice you know finding someone like tom and working on a show that got to give me an outlet to be even more progressive i think it's highly like excuse me highly likely that a lot of us would have been more centered as it were had the system just not totally collapsed um with 2008 and the financial crisis and how we responded as a country to that, it, uh, it, it made being pragmatic a lot less um, attractive. Mm. And, and the failures and disappointment with Obama, too. Right, right. That, like, I, pushed people even farther left. I mean, if this is what playing ball looks like, what's the point? To, I don't know, to, to try to land some sort of job with some think tank or um msnbc or something it, 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 there, there's there's more to life than that yeah and i mean i feel like actually t- tom hartman made that trajectory too and ed schultz right two people well ed schultz was at msnbc yeah. but it is interesting to see rt become kind of a refuge for people who are populist but we would not really describe as like or would not have described as that left I mean, left yeah. in the popular sense, but certainly not in like an RT ish. Yeah, we well, think I think, I mean, sense. I think, yeah, I think Ed's always been kind of conservative leading populist. Yeah. And, um, but like yeah, good he domestically, got, not great internationally. Yeah. And foreign policy wise, I mean, he, he did get run out of MSNBC yeah. for trashing TPP and stuff right. all the time. Um, and found a place at, at, at RT, uh, as a result. But, I mean, Tom, Tom has a different arrangement. I, you know, he's got his radio show, which is his main project. And, um, was approached when times were good at RT America to you know do a TV show over there too, and he agreed. Um, so and he owns his own show and and the content and everything on it. But yeah, I think there is something to be said about um, a lot of dissenting voices. Uh, the only place you can find like a TV station, at least that I mean, and more have risen up. I mean, I guess there's the Young Turks now, and there's some other stuff. But uh, RT America it was a pretty good platform to have for a bunch of lefties and i saw all these articles talking about how like this is a reactionary right-wing channel and i'm like there's a lot of lefties on that yeah. on that program uh you know whether it's tom hartman or back in the day when alona was had her show and yeah, abby I mean, martin's another one yeah f- former guest lee camp is lee there camp, now yeah, yeah lee camp is there now mm. well i had so many friends on uh redacted of course redacted is lee camp's show on rt like naomi carvani and uh john f o'donnell and yeah jfod still got Carlos Delgado, Abby Feldman, and all of these are like brilliant, funny comedians yeah. who uh, do they they had the freedom to explore all sorts of issues that they wanted to tackle. Yeah. Um, and uh, the only thing that they like couldn't do uh, tacitly was uh, criticize Russia, yeah. which is it's like you you have the freedom to go and talk about every other social right. ill. Um, it's an, it's country, really right. Like it's really every other country. So yeah, it's yeah. It, it's an indictment of our media system that 
these people are going over to RT yeah. and that right. there, there are no jobs for them because of their views, because of what they might have to say about the Democratic Party or U.S. foreign policy or whatever. Also, the idea that RT is some sort of... Um, th that RT has actually any sort of influence is just kind of laughable. Influence where? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that... <Anywhere? laughs> like the idea... At least in the U.S. I mean, I, yeah. I'm sure maybe they, have a, maybe they have a stronger influence in the U.K. or in... Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It, it, it just seems like a lot of uh, centrist libs who are sounding the Russia alarms are sort of treating RT like it's taking these ideas verbatim and brainwashing people. And as someone who used to be on RT, buddy, I wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when they called Obama socialists. Like, don't get my hopes up. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, they're are plenty of people who are doing good reporting on Russia and what's going on in Russia. There are plenty of outlets you can go to to find that. It's never been a part of my beat. I care, obviously. I think Putin is... Uh, the best uh, thing ever? Yeah, I think Putin is is my bud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you looked into his eyes and seen the humanity there? Yes, yes. Like George Bush did? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can see it. Uh, no, he's a tyrant. He's awful. And... Clearly, uh, the the government in in Russia should be reformed, but I mean, our government should be reformed right. too. I mean, I don't want to draw a false equivalency, but we've got a lot of problems at home that I'm far more concerned about than what's going on in Russia. Plus, and, we live here, right? So, not to exactly. be a nationalist, we're internationalists, I think, but we yeah. have like voting power to the extent that we do here, right? Yeah, and I mean, Russia is not a threat in any way to my way of life here, to my fi family's way of life, to my friend's way of life. I know I'm friends with Russians and they don't seem to be considering Putin an immediate threat to their way of life, though. I'm sure there are lots of people right. in Russia who do consider him that. But um, and he everything... is. But ultimately, the, the a lot of the criticism of Russia is predicated on this interventionist mindset, right. yes. which states that the U.S. can and should go around the world and impose its will and everything will be better. And we see time and time again how that just ends up in utter failure. I mean, Russia, everything Putin does in Russia is out of a position of weakness. Like, it's not out of a position of strength. I mean, he, uh, he's, he's been isolated. He's, his economy sucks. His military sucks. The U.S. has allies all across its border. I mean, we are the strong force here. I mean, let's accept that. We have nothing to be afraid of when it comes to Russia, when it comes to, I mean, in North Korea, we've got issues with, you know, allies in the region that we should care about. But, like, I don't know. I a lot of the Russia stuff and the Russia hysteria comes from this place that um, Vladimir Putin is going is the next Hitler, and he is going if he's left unchecked, he's going to create the so recreate the Soviet Union, and I just don't think there's any evidence of that at all. Again, a girl can dream. <laughs> Bring him back to Soviet Union. <laughs> By the way, did you see Bush's painting of of, of Putin? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, he inspired one of his paintings. Vladimir Putin, yeah. Uh, I met with him a lot during the presidency. I got to know him very well. I, our dear dog, mm -hmm. Barney, who had a special spot in my heart. I introduced him to Putin. Putin kind of dissed him. Like, you really call that a dog. A year later, your mom and I go to visit uh, Vladimir and his dacha outside of Moscow, and he says, you'd like to meet my dog. Outbounds his huge hound, obviously much bigger than a Scottish Terrier, and Putin looks at me and says, bigger, stronger, and faster than Barney. Wow, you know, anybody thinks my dog is bigger than your dog is an interesting character. <laughs> what do you think, what do you think inspired this? A, a parent, you mean the art in him, yeah. or? Uh, I was inspired partially by Winston Churchill 
He wrote a great essay called Painting as a Pastime. I did encourage him after he got pinned ultimate on his iPad and started drawing very interesting stick figure characters to communicate with you and Barbara and with me when I was on the road. Well, I don't, I think it was there the whole time. And you got an art instructor. And she said, what's your goal? And I said, well, there's a Rembrandt trapped in this body. <laughs> <laughs> your job is to unleash him. So you think maybe, he was a frustrated painter who like was Hitler. forced into, into politics? <laughs> yeah, if only like Hitler and, and, and George Bush had pursued or been allowed to pursue their art more, maybe there wouldn't have been a Holocaust and maybe there wouldn't have been, you know, the war in Iraq, part two. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of other things. Maybe I feel I feel like it's some sort of therapy. Yeah. Like he got it from a like he was seeing a therapist who said you should start painting because he probably is dealing with a lot of things post presidency. Like guilt. And painting, it turns out, would help occupy not only space but kind of open my mind. I paint a lot because, as you know, I'm a driven person and I I want to get better. A whole new world has opened up. Very disciplined, and so he comes up and works every single day which is why he's improved and can do portraits of Bob the cat that are so good. Uh, you can't leave? Like, has, can, is, can he still not travel to certain countries or something out of fear he'll oh, get arrested? Oh, he's going to get in, yeah. Like A lot of countries time. in Europe. Yeah. I rarely have, see yeah. George W. Bush around the world Which traveling. is so like, sad because he's such everywhere. a cosmopolitan guy. He loves going to the, like, Biennale and Venice, you know. Yeah. yeah. But. I mean, he's just waiting for VR to be good enough for him to take a walking tour of Paris. Exactly. Without <laughs> having to leave his compound in uh, Texas. He definitely Crawford. strikes me as a sort of guy who would much rather go to Epcot and, yeah. and see like every year probably yeah like for yeah then then well I don't need to go to these foreign countries we got them right They're here in America here. Right, why yeah. I leave? yeah um, that reminds me of my friend who went to Yale had a friend who was friends with Barbara Bush is that the daughter who went to Yale or Jenna Bush one of the two delinquents mm-hmm. um, <laughs> who got arrested for underage drinking or something and apparently they went to the their house in Crawford Texas and they all went out one night, and the next morning, George Bush, W, was like, who's got a Gover? Who's got a Gover? Which is the nickname for hangover, apparently. <laughs> uh, who's got a Gover? Yeah. Well, so, that's adorable. He's, so, yeah. still, he, he's had plenty in his day. Right. He, re- yeah. he must still really want to drink. Yeah, I'm imagining, like, 23-year-old W. Bush, like, I got a Gover. <laughs> he was a great, you know, he was a cheerleader too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, the Yale, the Yale cheerleaders. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about uh, Afghanistan? Because the truth is, we don't ever talk about that area. That's not our, our that's not our beat. We're real Latin Americanists. Yeah, yeah, um, I don't know much about uh, Afghanistan. There's the Khyber Pass. Yeah, that. restaurant uh, on St. Mark's. Uh, there's also the, Ky- the Khyber Pass on, uh, the, it's on, uh, what is it, uh, Woodley? I believe, or Calvert on its on There the was a, a, an Where Afghan restaurant in Montreal called the Khyber Pass. I think like one out of every three Afghan restaurants that's, is that's, called that's the Khyber Pass. Name. Well, I was raised in D.C. in Woodley Park. And uh, the, uh, the Afghan Grill. Yeah, the Afghan Grill used to be called the Khyber Pass. <laughs> and my parents would take me there and they would have one of those uh, little scimitars on the wall. Oh, hell yeah. Like old wooden guns from like, uh, 19, like 1845. Oh. What and, they uh, used to uh, murk the British with probably. yeah and I was like what why what's so um, important about the Khyber Pass and and the waiters and the owner would tell me like that's where we would defend ourselves from invaders so <laughs> the lights would dim they would sit down yeah. with you take out one of these because 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 the valleys made it very easy to um defend against uh foreign intruders because mm. you know it's like uh the Battle of Thermopylae and in uh, Greece different different area but mm. 
you know, if you're fending off larger uh, armies. Because they got to pass through, they got to squeeze through, and yeah. then when they do, you murk them yeah. from murk above. Em. I've never heard the term murk, I'm not going to lie. What, where does that come from? Do uh, we know? What's, I don't know. I think I just to, to use kill. it. Yeah, to kill. Yeah, right. it literally murk. just means to right. kill. To yeah. murk. Got it. Yeah. All right. Afghanistan is like notoriously hard, right, to conquer because uh, I'm sure Trump will figure it out. Though. I know. Yeah, this it's, plan will work. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, can you tell us what tell us what uh, what his plan is? Well, actually, he can't talk about his plan. He doesn't. Part of his strategy is to deliberately not talk about his strategy because he said that when Obama would do it, that was the sort of thing that would cause us harm. Right. I get as, that. As if ISIS doesn't know that. People are like surrounding Mosul with huge weapons <laughs> and bombing him from above. But so he, he uh, I guess the good news is that Eric Prince, the former Blackwater guy, it looks like his plan, which was basically to sell Afghanistan a private military. Yeah, withdraw the U.S. troops. Withdraw the U.S. troops. Basically replace them with a private military. Private air force. Private air force. That is not happening. And instead, we are sending up to, I think, 3,900 tr- yeah, more troops there. The withdrawal timetable that Obama had set up. Right. And, um, it's not safe to pull out. We know that from many a study. Right. And we are also uh, we're, we're improving... Putting improving, I'm using air quotes. We're putting more resources behind the Afghan special forces, and Trump also says uh, that we want to end nation building. And to a certain extent, I guess this sort of makes sense in that, hey, if we're going to be involved in this mess, let's at least not try to pretend like we care. But the fact is, is that the Afghan government is incredibly corrupt. And it is also um, losing the war against the Taliban. And this is literally insane. I mean, we think that Trump, an orange clown, is, is, is basically going to do what we've been trying to do for 16 or 17 years. And he's going to be the guy that figures it out. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> depressing. <laughs> yeah. In terms of nation building, we've really created a problem that's going to be hard to solve over there because post the entire Afghan post-war economy is dependent upon U.S. aid and U.S. support. And all of these projects, which are just huge profit-making machines for private contractors and just uh, cor- uh, um, corrupted uh, enterprises with Afghan uh, individuals, whether it's the $43 million gas station or something. Yeah. Which I guess has been lowered to. A, 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 they've, they've revised that estimate, but it's still w- way too much money to spend on a then gas station. Um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on private villas for d- business liaisons to operate on around Afghanistan. All these things that the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, or SIGAR, releases on a monthly basis almost all this information. And, and he- here's one example of how little interest the U.S. has in making sure Afghanistan is a functioning country, which is there was, there was a bank in Afghanistan called the Kabul Bank. It was basically plundered by its executives. Some of them went to jail. One of them who was in jail, the CEO, uh, Ferozi, I think is his last name, he only has to serve his sentence at night. <laughs> I like that. So he's, he spends his day out partying. 
Well, I don't know if he's thing. necessarily partying, but he's not confined to a jail, which sleeps, is kind of the whole point. He just point. sleeps in jail. Right. <laughs> so That's it's nice. Up. Which, yeah, it's, it's like... actually so, tight. It's I pr- could deal with that. <laughs> it's yeah. probably good. good hard, I like hard beds. I like hard mattresses. So yeah. Good I for the back. Enjoy exactly. But yeah. So there is a belief that hundreds of millions of this billion-dollar theft might be in the United States under other names, and the Afghan government sort of wrote this half-hearted appeal to the Justice Department asking them to help them to find it. Justice Department responded saying this isn't proper procedure. And just earlier this Your year... paperwork is wrong. <laughs> just earlier this year, the DOJ is like, you know what, we're closing the case. Like, can you imagine them doing that, for example, if, uh, you know, if it were, I don't know, say, a, 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 someone connected to the Chinese government or the Russian government just sort of giving up on a huge corruption case like that, possibly because there are politically connected individuals on the other end of that money, and we don't want to upset tip the apple cart. So that I think that's just really a perfect example of where our priorities lie and how we are going to completely screw this thing up. I read The Kite Runner. <laughs> you read that? It's a great book. Page Turner. I think it's on Oprah's list. That's my big <laughs> contribution, and it's about a guy, a little boy in Afghanistan, right? I saw the movie. Oh, there's a movie? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I have not. I feel like that's a book you would have seen in uh, like a Starbucks. Yes. That's like here, like next to the Malala book. Mm-hmm. They'd have Kite Runner. <laughs> Malala's Malala a socialist. Is, is she Okay, I know she's really woke because she called out Obama on the drones. And she has said she's a socialist. No, she's not. Are you kidding? I kid you not. That's awesome. Talk amongst yourselves. I, I will know, pull up the quote by on the my way, phone. There's Malala, by the way, Pakistani activist for female education and the youngest ever Nobel Prize laureate. Uh, who, Yeah, she called out Obama on the drones. Pretty good. Um, but yeah, who knew she was a socialist? Malala, one of the best things about Malala is that when she, she was a first, she's much more gracious than I am. She was nominated for a Nobel, I know, crazy, right? Hot take. Better person, Malala, better person than Katie Halper. But she was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. And the first time she didn't get it, she was nominated again and she did. I would have been like, too little, too late, yeah, buddies, right? <laughs> Thanks. You had your chance. You had your chance. But the Taliban, when she didn't get it the first time, they, they did like a press release and they said that they were really glad that she didn't get it because she's not actually Muslim. She's secular. But like I like the idea that, you know, the Taliban wants think knows that Engaging like Engaging with exactly, the institutions. Yeah, like did a PR, Nobel, a yeah. PR thing. And that like the the Nobel Peace Prize was like where we wanted to have our finger on the pulse of the Taliban's response to that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So here we go. This is uh from late December 20, uh, 2014, Malala was at a school at the time in Birmingham in England, and she sent a message to Pakistan's international Marxist tendency that, and it said, quote, I am convinced socialism is the only answer, and I urge all comrades to struggle to a victorious conclusion. Only this will free us from the chains of bigotry and exploitation. Mm. Uh, channeling Martin Luther King... Martin Luther King said that basically, or at least we need some socialism. He said, "What white bros got to her?" To yeah, exactly. Well, you know what I'm thinking. And wait, who did she say that to? Was this that a, this a was to no. Well, it was to Pakistan's international Marxist tendency. What tendency? I, I guess I'll it. Look, yeah, we can yeah. look that up. But it's not like it's a thing. It's not like a, uh, an amorphous like their tendency, their their predisposition towards. Right? That would be a weird thing to communicate to. But you know, did you guys see the movie? Everyone says I love you. No. Woody Allen movie, spoiler alert, 
Um, There's it, a creepy relationship well, with a young girl. But you know, did you guys see the movie Everyone Says I Love You? No. Woody Allen movie. Spoiler alert. Um, There's it, a creepy relationship well, with a, a young girl? Of course. There's a Republican <laughs> character. It's like an Upper East Side uh, liberal family uh, played by you know Alan Alda and Goldie Hawn. By the way, Alan Alda, not Jewish. Really? What? Crazy, right? And that's been our, I can't believe they're not Jewish of the day. Um, <laughs> and they have a son who is a Republican. And then at the end of the movie, they discover he has a brain tumor. And mm, then they remove unlucky. it, I guess, and he's not Republican anymore. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just predicting that we're going to have some haters who are like, yeah, Malala is a socialist because she got shot in the head. Oh. Mm. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just predicting what I, I assume people are going to say. I want to drill more on to Republicans having brain tumors yeah. because John McCain. John McCain. Like maybe that's the reason all Republicans Republicans are people who haven't had their brain tumors discovered yet. Well, Robert, what was that guy that neocon who um, was like super <laughs> no. Jewish? No, I no, love I love I, it. I'm it not, makes me think of like a, I'm almost not like moving a away from that. Alex <laughs> Jones idea of like, well, oh, they've got microchips yeah. in their heads. <laughs> Somebody's got to take that microchip out of the frontal lobe. Yeah. Oh, right. Also, I mean. As 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 Alex Jones has pointed out, it's probably involved in in the breast milk stuff. You know, he pointed out that if you're not fed with breast milk, your mom didn't breastfeed you, did she? What, what are you talking about? Your brain, so you your, gotta, no, 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 your no, no, brain, your brain can be no, 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 no. Your your brain will be about twenty five to thirty percent smaller if your mother doesn't breastfeed you. You get retarded. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like serious. He's like, I'm not kidding. I'm serious about this. If you well, don't have fatty, the fatty milk, a fatty substance filled with complex fats and sugars. And I mean, I'm not being mean. You're just retarded, sir. I mean, that's, I mean, as if your mother not breastfeeding you on top of it, you have a small brain. Oh, by the way, the international Marxist tendency is Trot. They're a Trotskyist group. I okay. just wanted to throw that out there. It was They're really bugging me, so I was looking I know, it up. Me too. Yeah, yeah, you guys don't even know. Uh, Sam Knight was was pacing around the room. He had broken into sweats. He was circling us. <laughs> this uh, huge room that hair. I can definitely pace <laughs> what around. What is this yeah. organization I have just yeah. plugged on the radio? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But wait, what's the guy's name? Robert. Um, he died. He's like a neocon. He converted to Christianity. Kagan. No, he's, he's like no, he's he used still to be alive. in Crossfire. Oh, Novak. Yes, Bob Novak. Yeah. He had a brain tumor, mm. right? Mm. And mm. he mm. was uh, he, he was Jewish, and it was cute to watch him try to pass as Christian. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, um, you know. Wait, he converted after he got his tumor out? No, he converted before, but I'm saying that maybe that was what made him think that he could pass as a goy, if you will. No shots fired at the goyim in the room. But, uh, I mean, have you heard him talk? He has a pretty Jewy voice. Um, his nickname was Prince of Darkness, by the way. And, yeah, he converted. Um, he was the one who outed, um, what's her face? Uh, Valerie, Valerie Plame. Plame yeah. yeah, yeah. He converted to Catholicism in May 1998 after his wife Geraldine did so. I feel like that story. doesn't happen very often. They don't go to Catholicism. No. They may go evangelical. Really? Well, I don't. I feel like people will convert to Judaism, for ma- but for Jews marriage. rarely convert right, the other way true. because they they're told we're the chosen people. I mean, yeah, and that you know we're disappearing. So, you know, you raise a Jewish family. To I was always told that as a child. Right. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Make like, more. Like, right. Uh, but, you can marry anybody you want, but or I won't show up unless it's a Jew. Right. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah, there was a really funny scene. I remember watching Bob Novak like uh, 
he had like the schmutz on his forehead for Ash Wednesday uh. or whatever. The, and he's like walking down the church and he just has this like waddle. I can say that as a, as both a Jew who, who waddle, I have a duck walk. I do. I walk like a duck. Hmm. So it's not an affect. Gabe, I believe you gave me that name. I, I saw you walking from a, a block away. Yeah. And I was like, look at that waddle. Yeah, duck, duck walk. Uh-huh. That is, that is that, since we were talking about Alex Jones, I feel like I should bring it up that your gait is apparently one way that the spooks, the surveillance people, can tell it's definitely you. I 100% agree with that because I can pick apart people. I can ID them from in shadows, just the silhouette based on the gate. Yeah. People like you you know. You're not saying that you can uh, ascribe to them certain Look, if I've seen video footage of them right. walking before... And then I see them in real life. I can ID them, having the never met whisperer. them before. You know, I, by the way, not to brag, I met Alex Jones. I don't know if you saw that video. I uh, I ran into him at, in Cleveland. Mm. Oh yeah. During yeah. the during the RNC. Yeah, I had no. I mean, I was just on the street. This it turned out it was post being um, sprayed in the face by Jimmy Dore with uh, <laughs> iced tea. It was after he crashed the stage of the Young Wait, Turks. You were, oh. you were sprayed, or he, no? He was. Uh, sorry, okay. thank you. Yeah, I may have used a mis, misplaced modifier. Thank and, you. And Jank was oh, about I to remember, fight him. Yeah, yeah. That was oh my god, that yeah. was amazing. He like got on the stage and he was like, "You, you don't, you don't talk about Saudi Arabia." And the best part, <laughs> and I like Jank. I'm a friend of his. I've done his show. He's done. He has to come on the show. But um, he said something about like you, you, you love Saudi Arabia, and Jank. Like turns into the Hulk, yes. and he's like, "We talk about Saudi Arabia all the time." I've never, never seen him that angry. It was amazing, before, yeah. yeah. And then Anna Kasparian, this, these are people on the the Young Turks, uh, the show. Anna Kasparian is like, "You fat fuck." <laughs> and then some, like some defender of um, Alex Jones. You're body shaming Alex yeah, Jones. Yeah, you, you know, like I love when the right wing gets super woke. Yeah. By the way, like woke Trump, we got woke Trump. Um, anyway, we need there's, a woke there's Trump. Good, there's uh, good sound video effect. of Alex Jones on the streets of Washington D.C. during the Women's March, just ranting on a corner of a street, yelling at whoever will stop and listen to him, and people are just walking by him, just cussing him out and throwing stuff at him. Uh, oh, did you see him? Uh, I just saw this video of him saying, I guess he was talking about Charlottesville. He's like, I, I was there a while ago. I was protesting the KKK, and they're Jews. They uh they look like Seinfeld dressed up like Howard Stern. You take off the the hoods, they're Howard Stern. They got even got the curls. I'm not. It's kind of amazing. So when I saw him on the street and I was in you know uh, in Cleveland, I was wearing like a sundress. I'm sure if I had been a dude, they would not have let me. The militia entourage with which he was traveling. But they par- um, they parted for they you. They yeah, like militia. <laughs> and uh, Roger Stone was oh, in the God. front of it wearing Remember like wearing a there. rape shirt instead of like a hope shirt you know it was in the hope the the shepherd Fairy. yeah uh, yeah font and instead of saying hope it said rape and it had bill clinton's face on it which mm. let's be honest he, i'm pretty sure he raped uh juanita broderick I'll i mean be, i'll that, be releasing that interview later i did i interviewed her i mm. think that it's it was very awkward um for Hillary on one hand to run as this hugely like I am the fem I'm not just a feminist right. I am the feminist right. and I'm not trying to attach her fully to the crimes of her husband but her husband was a campaign surrogate exactly that's why it's fair game you can't invoke your husband's name and then say how can you define me by my husband remember her famous if you want to talk about the 90s let's talk about the 90s with bernie sanders during a debate (laughs) which i thought was going to turn into a biggie tupac 
uh, <laughs> debate, honestly. My husband wanted to put both Biggie and Tupac in jail. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. He probably did. Um, I remember that uh, during the debate, the first debate that happened after the grab her by the pussy line, which, by the way, shout out to Trump. Woke feminist destigmatizing the term pussy. When they did the first debate after that, or where he brought out the women who accused. Yeah, Juanita Broderick and some other people. The thing is, Juanita Broderick, it's different. Then they brought out that woman. This is, guys, PSA. My leftist brothers and sisters, comrades, we gotta stop trying to smear Hillary Clinton by saying she laughed, laughed at rape and defended a rapist. You know, have you heard this? It's oh, because yeah, because she, she was a public defender. Yeah, yeah that. We believe in, this drives me crazy. We believe in public defenders, right? On the left, we believe in this stuff. Yeah, we believe I th- in legal aid clinics. I think those attacks on Hillary are absurd. It, they're so stupid. First of all, she didn't laugh at rape. She laughed at a judge's decision on a polygraph. And you know what? Like, when you're doing public defense work, you have to laugh at a lot of stuff. There's a lot of absurd. gallows humor. Yeah, exactly. I worked in schools. You never want to hear how teachers talk in the lounge. Yeah. For uh, Alex Jones. Yes, thank you. And uh, and uh, your man, uh Rob, uh, Mr. Stone, right. Roger Stone was wearing a rape shirt. A rape shirt, yeah. And, and uh, then what happened? And then what happened? So I, I see Alex Jones, and I'm like trying to to think of something good to say, right? Like small talk, because I hadn't you planned your it. Out or what? What'd you say? You have your camera out? I or? had my phone out, yeah. yeah okay. And in fact, there's footage of, I took footage, and you see me walking. You're like, what's my opening footage. line? You wanted to know. You, you, how are you going to open in, right? so, Alex yeah, Jones? They, so I didn't even know this at the time, but someone was filming me, and then I was filming them, right? So I'm, where, I'm there in Cleveland, and I'm like, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And the militia let me in. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and he's like, sure. And I'm like, um, are you enjoying your time here? And he pivots like that. He's very good at this. He's like, yeah, I always enjoyed defeating tyranny. <laughs> and then, um, and I was like, uh, uh, who are you endorsing? He's like, Trump. Trump's all the way. And uh, and this guy behind him who's like some, uh, you know, like speaks in tongues, like re- super religious guy, is like, oh, Hillary's a Jezebel. We know what she's about. <laughs> and then Alec, uh, Alex Jones is like, yeah, Trump's all the way. I was like, do you have any reservations about him? He's like, well, I don't like some of the torture stuff, but at least he's honest about it. Hillary, she's going to mount the country's head against the wall. And I was like, oh, what does that mean policy-wise? And I'm not kidding. He's like, oh, I mean, she's going to dominate the whole world and piss on everything like a big fat goblin. And I started laughing because I found the big fat goblin line. Okay, so tell us about how you guys met. We met We met in Russia. Yeah, duh, comrade. We met, I was working for the Alona show, for Alona Minkowski, before she left for Huffington Post. Sam was working for Tom Hartman, the big picture, and that's how we met. We were at uh, Art- RT America, right. not yes. actually Russia. Got our, it. Our, <laughs> our show cubicles were next to each other, so uh, yeah, we met there. Uh, it was a really fun time because it was 2012 when Mitt Romney was saying that Russia is our number one geopolitical f- geopolitical foe, and everyone was making fun of him for it. There and were some good times. At we RT were not America. accused of being Obama puppets <laughs> yeah. then. Let me just say, when we were all laughing at uh, Mitt Romney. Yeah. I actually, I tweeted the other day because Mitt Romney, you know, he, he rejected the false equivalence. Yeah. The false equivalency. Mitt Romney said, uh, not the same. One side is racist, bigoted, is racist, bigoted, Nazi. The other side, the other opposes racism and bigotry, morally different universes. He's that, that I social mean, justice that... Uh, uh, Mormon tradition. It's there. And, and Tifa Mitt. Yeah, Antifa <laughs> Mitt. Sam Alkoff, a producer at Democracy Now!, made one of the funniest memes I've seen where it's like an Antifa thing, and he, he photoshopped Romney's face into it. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Anyway, so I tweeted that I was like, he's officially woker than the resistance, 
And all these people were like, he's racist. Do you even know about that? And I was like, yeah, I made a video about him talking about Martin Luther King, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's, uh, it, was an, it was an interesting thing that he, he rejected false, the false equivalency more than other people, from ranging from Neera Tandon to Joy Reid to men for Hillary. Well, it shows oh. how just, you know, warped those people have become that, like, Mitt Romney is able to see the distinctions. And I know we'll probably get into it later, but, like, with Ragnarok Lobster, <laughs> oh talking, describing what happened in Charlottesville as a hit and run just because the person who died was a leftist. Yeah, that's gross. That's eclectic brother. Remember, yeah. Yeah. my favorite, who I would love to talk about. He blocked me um, a few weeks ago because he thought he owned Bernie for having a bank account. <laughs> wow! You hypocrite! Oh, because he. Like, I see you criticize the, the banks, system. but yet there you are with a bank account. He should be trading in like chickens and corn. And, yes, and burying his money. Yeah. He should be in Barter Town in one yeah. of his eight homes. Yeah, exactly. Bernie just carries around like a pouch of like coffee to try to trade <laughs> when he buys things. Do you guys want to talk about this amazing uh, list of resistance? Yes. Twitter? Okay. The one hundred worst accounts on Twitter. Yeah, basically. By the way, so so what happened is that Sally Albright and Mia Brett wrote a piece, a listicle. Basically, a, dig a glorified listicle of uh, the top 100 political activists of resistance Twitter for the IJR, Independent Journalism Review, which I, yeah, Independent jur Journal Review. Is Ever? not independent. Okay. They are, the, the, are they Brockian? No, no. Who are they? They, are, they are very, they're yes, they're deeply connected to the Republican establishment. They, Wait a second. Yes, Sally Albright, the, the resistance Sally Albright wrote this piece for a Republican establishment. Tommy Christopher, the guy who wears a fedora. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know what Tommy... This is where Benny Johnson is. Yeah, I don't know what Tommy... Yeah, Benny Johnson is IJR's most recognized face. BuzzFeed Benny, he was hired by BuzzFeed a few years ago to try to make... Um, Before that, he viral... interned at the Family Research Council. Yes, yes. What? Yeah, so he, he, was, he was supposed to make viral content for right-wingers for BuzzFeed... Long story short, he was fired for plagiarizing listicles. Like all of his listicles. <laughs> like all of them. And they were trying to row him back, be like, oh, oh, we didn't catch these three pieces. And I'm like, hey, guess what? They're actually like 12. And then it got more and more. And then they're like, who wants to plagiarize a listicle? That's really Someone sad. who's like really a dumb. Piece, sure. He's a listicle curator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true. He yeah. He's a comedy <laughs> aggregator. So. <laughs> So anyway, he moved after this after this huge embarrassing um, fall from grace. He was hired by IJR, which is basically an unapologetic right wing tied to the Republican Party. There are a lot of former Republican staffers who work for this publication. It's notoriously conservative and crappy. Their corporate account blocked me because IJR tweeted like, "Oh, tweet to us your your favorite photos of veterans." And I tweeted the um, Soviet troops raising the Man. hammer and stickle on the Reichstag. <laughs> and then, so they blocked me. And, um, and then Benny got demoted because he was part of some like conspiracy theory. He was of part the of a judge who struck. Wasn't it the judge who struck down the travel ban was visited by Obama or something or that Obama was in the vicinity? Yeah, of this judge? He, he was over. He oversaw some article that had very shoddy editorial standards, very shoddy fact-checking that they, they published, and it yeah. was basically... Anyways, they produce a lot of garbage over there. Yeah, and he was demoted. It also, when this article 
when it was published, a lot of IJR staffers were like, this is really embarrassing. And all this frustration about Benny boiled over. And it turned out he was this abusive, um, like, office tyrant who would say, don't you know who I am? Like, I went viral, like, so and so amount of times. It's basically the most irritating social media people, social media obsessed people you can think of distilled into one person. And also he has very awful reactionary politics. So a plagiarist? A plagiarist. Uh, who makes up his sources. Yep. And, his list, um, for listicles, right? Reactionary. <laughs> and who Is cares about his and, likes. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, Sally Albright is working with his publication to say why she herself is one of the best hashtag resistance um, okay. things out there. I had no idea. I really thought that this was a David Brockian website. No, 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 no. This is like, this is astonishing for someone who, you know, these types of people, they make this like, well, Bernie is not a real Democrat. He doesn't even want to join the party. Right. And they will work hand in hand with Republicans wherever they can to try to, you know, overrun the Panera Breads of America um, <laughs> in order to defeat the left. I didn't know that they started out as right wing. We're going to have to do an expose on this, although it doesn't seem like it requires an expose because it's actually out yeah. there. When you say started out, I don't think they're doing anything but right wing. But, okay. but, but they they've for some reason they've given her a platform um she might be well, trying they to defend like joy reed a lot yeah i mean it might be trying to appeal to like the david frum types right exactly. and, the, and the bill crystal types who basically republican um, neocons who right. hate donald trump because for various reasons who, yeah. they wish they were like George hand Bush in hand back. with hillary bombing whatever country right. you can think of and they, Iran. they they long for the days of of george bush yeah yeah um the first or the second? The second. second. At least. So do you guys, I mean, I thought we could read the names of some of these people uh, who are on the list and then we could kind of, why don't we do our own top five? Yeah, yeah. Is that a good idea? Sure, sure. So let, let me just say before yeah. we get into this that this this came out, I think, around the Charlottesville yes, weekend. It, yeah. Just after Charlottesville. A lot of people were dealing with the trauma of it all. Sally, she was retweeting herself insulting Bernie Sanders. Well, not just Bernie Sanders, insulting basically Heather Hare, which yeah. we'll get to in a second. It was a f it was like 3 days after. Yeah, but exactly. but but she did she's like, "Hey, if you don't want to be distracted by all these alt left bros or whatever, make sure you check out this thing that I wrote." And then I responded, "You wrote this yourself and this is published on a right-wing website with close GOP ties." And she blocked me. Right, she blocks everyone. So she, so on this list that she wrote with Mia Brett. Mia Brett is another Twitter celebrity. I wonder if they paid to have this published. By the way, it's a good question. Just Sally, openly, uh, just asking questions. Sally, we're asking if this is true. Did you pay for this? So here's what the intro says. This is a frightening time for our country. People are angry, frustrated, apprehensive, no longer willing to tolerate the intolerable. Twitter has become a hub for uniting people of varied affiliations in their common goal of stopping Trump. Social media naturally lends itself to advocacy, and an entire subculture has emerged around citizens and activists using Twitter for organizing, messaging, networking, collaboration, and recruiting. Political Twitter facilitates connections among operatives, okay, <laughs> among operatives, advocates in various fields, elected officials, and other interested parties. The resistance movement is postpartisan and multicultural, and Twitter is the great equalizer. Anyone can participate, regardless of gender or experience. Political Twitter blends the experience of accomplished political veterans with the energy and enthusiasm of those just getting started. 
we've identified the top 100 political activists using Twitter to reinforce their real-life advocacy, which is, let's, I can't wait to talk about their real-life advocacy. Anyway, in this section, we've identified the accounts with more than 10,000 followers and included their top tweets and respective clout scores, as well <laughs> as exclusive quotes from selected users. This is an excellent place to begin. Does if anybody you, still check their clout? I mean, what, I mean if, you'd like to, if you'd like to engage with smart and active members of the resistance, I don't even know what clout <laughs> is. It's like how, how searchable you are. On... Clout is a al- it's an algorithm that basically says, oh, you're influential because you get... It gives re- you a number. It gives right. you like a number right. based on your retweets and I got it. I got to check my clout. We should all do a live clout check-in. So <laughs> here are the people on the list. Ready? Should I read it? And then we can go back and talk about certain ones. Sure, oh, sure. 100? How many? No, only uh, 50 okay. on this one. I mean, let's see. Who are the best ones? We don't have to go through everyone. I sent you guys a, a link of it, and you can look here. We got... Uh, Sadie Doyle, Callie Joy Gray, Tommy Christopher, Cara Calaveras, Sir James II, Noshi Twitten, Matthew Chapman, Marcus Johnson, Chappie. Amanda Marcotte, Eclectic Brother, who we'll definitely get to, Amy Vernon, Sierra Tandon, T Payne, Rick Wilson, who's just a plain, Not plain the old rapper Republican. T-Pain. Right. Deborah Messing. Joy Reid. Evan McMullen. My girl Joy. Donna Edwards. I mean, I'm sorry, Donna Edwards, the congresswoman. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, there's, some people, there's some people who probably shouldn't be on this list. Yeah. But uh, not, not that many. Because they're but not Donna that bad. Right, exactly. Donna Edwards. Right. Okay, so who are your favorites? Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> so many to so, pick from. I'll well, just, Sally yeah. is already on my top five. Yeah. By the way, it is pretty bold to write an article about the best Twitter accounts and include yourself right. in it. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Sally Albright for <laughs> acting, carrying herself with the confidence of a straight white man. You know, you've seen that that graphic. Yeah, Lord, Lord give me the Lord, give me the confidence man. of a mediocre white exactly. man. Exactly. Yeah. So Sally does that to her credit again. Ooh, yeah. Woke Sally. I mean, this is the dumbest thing, and this is the best parody of being a woke intersectional feminist uh, anti-racist. She literally famously tweeted. Income inequality is only a problem for straight white men. The rest of us have bigger things to worry about, bigger problems, which is like if you understand the things that you claim to care about, you get that women and people of color are precisely the people most hurt by income inequality. She actually had to erase that tweet. But Sally Albright, that's that's just a dumb thing. She's also tweeted really offensive things like she retweeted uh, someone's tweet about how Bernie Sanders is following the uh, protocols of the elders of Zion to a T. She deleted that. Um, that was one of my favorites. She did delete that. By the way, most people get like one or two tweets screen grabbed. Sally Albright, again, who curated this list, gets, wait for it. Um, you got to do a lot of counting here. Yeah, I'm scrolling down a lot. Uh, one, two, three, four. Okay, one, two, three, four. Yeah. So, by the way, just so you know, she gets twice as many as everyone else. Come on, Sally. She's just resisting harder. She's, her, her resistance is so hard. Resist. Press up. Press up. Make it work now. Hot cross buns. Woo! So, Sally oh. blocked me when I brought up stuff about the IJR piece. So, I'm really ready to oh, talk great. about okay. that. Oh, great. Okay. Great. Awesome. So, um, And as I said, we ran into her IRL. Yeah, I thought she had blocked you... When you started talking about that party. No, no, uh, no, no. Should we? This, yeah, this is really exciting. Okay, so. Uh, we'll save it. Guys, we'll have to continue this. Thank you so much. Uh, Sam Knight, Sam Sachs, DC Sentinel. Oh, yeah. We'll see you on the front lines. Of yes. Twitter. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, don't forget. 
join our Patreon so you can hear our extended discussion on this issue and find out who our favorites of Resistance Twitter are. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. 